Welcome back to Bibliography, a podcast for people who love a good to-be-read list. I'm David Kern here at Goldberry Books in Concord, North Carolina, and this is a conversation show about the way books make our lives richer. This week's guest is David McCloskey, whose new novel, Damascus Station, was one of my favorite books of 2021. If you know me, you know I love spy novels, a genre which Damascus Station fits firmly into. But even in a genre I love, this is a book which far surpasses most books of its kind. It stood out in a big way. Part of this is no doubt because McCloskey, as a former CIA analyst, knows what he's talking about. While at the CIA, he wrote regularly for the President's Daily Brief, delivered classified testimony to congressional oversight committees, and briefed senior White House officials, ambassadors, military officials, and Arab royalty. He worked in CIA field stations across the Middle East throughout the Arab Awakening, and conducted a rotation in the counterterrorism center focused on the Jihad in Syria and Iraq. All that to say, McCloskey comes by his knowledge honestly. But what's so remarkable is how gifted he is as a storyteller and right out of the shoot, so to speak. In fact, Damascus Station was a finalist for the 2022 ITW Thriller Award for Best First Novel. Now, here's the setup of the book. CIA case officer Sam Joseph is dispatched to Paris to recruit Syrian palace official Mariam Haddad. The two fall into a forbidden relationship, which supercharges Haddad's recruitment and creates danger when they enter Damascus to find the man responsible for the disappearance of an American spy. But the cat and mouse chase for the killer soon leads to a trail of high-profile assassinations and the discovery of a dark secret at the heart of the Syrian regime, bringing the pair under the all-seeing eyes of Assad's spy catcher Ali Hassan and his brother Rustam, the head of the feared Republican Guard. Set against the backdrop of a Syria pulsing with fear and rebellion, Damascus Station is a gripping thriller that offers a textured portrayal of espionage, love, loyalty, and betrayal in one of the most difficult CIA assignments on the planet. David McCloskey was kind enough to sit down with me recently to talk about some of our favorite spy novels, and of course, what it's like writing a spy novel fresh off his own career in that world. I really enjoyed chatting with him, and added a slew of great spy novels to my to-be-read list. Hope you will too. Here's our conversation. All right, well, I always start with this question. I ask everybody this first. Do you remember the first time that you really fell in love with a book? Like, kind of like turned your world upside down. You could be four, or you could be 34. <laughs> yeah, well, um, so I think my, my answer would be sort of maybe embarrassing both on the content and on the timing. So I was... <laughs> relatively old, I guess. I've been a pretty avid reader or an avid reader for, for all of my life. But I think the, the answer is that when I was probably a senior in high school, my dad gave me William Manchester's A World Lit Only by Fire for Christmas, I think. And it was it's a nonfiction book, which I think has been largely like sort of scorned or debunked by medieval scholars. Uh, I'm pretty sure Manchester, like any, I think he admits to this. You're, you're, picking, this. you're picking some fights here with the scholars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't want to weigh, like wade into sort of, you know, medieval history controversies, but yeah, yeah. Uh, anyhow, I mean, you know, putting that aside, like I just, I, I think I literally read the book in a night. The power hmm. 
had gone out in our house actually for a period. And so I literally mm. did read a world that only by fire parts of it just by like candlelight <laughs> in my house. That's a, it's perfect. It's perfect. And I just, I, I recommended the book to everybody, you know, I've read it probably three or four times since. And it's just mm. this pretty beautiful chronicle of a world that was tipping from the dark ages to the Renaissance and the reformation and what that was like and what it, you know, what it felt like in the world of ideas and power and what it was like to be a normal person. I just, I I couldn't get enough of it. So that's, you know, for a spy novelist, I don't have a spy novel story like that. I mean, I read lots of spy novels as a kid and loved them, but that was probably the first time where I was like, it was an addictive Mm. experience and you couldn't pull me away from the pages. Well, I mean, I want to talk about spy novels here in a second. It's like, we yeah. got to do that. That would be weird if we didn't yes. talk about spy that novels. Would be, that would be strange. Yeah. But so, you you, you know, you you say you, you read when you were a kid. Did you grow up in a house that was like, you're all book fans? Like it was a bookish house. Yeah. yeah. So my dad was, he he worked at a, kind of a missionary organization called, what was then called Canvas Crusade for Christ. It's now called Crew. Mm-hmm. And he... Um, was in the process for a lot of my younger years of getting his PhD. Okay. Um, and, and he had written a book, he's written several books since. And so it was a kind of this thing of like, he was always reading mm-hmm. and we would go to libraries, we'd go to bookstores. It was like a normal thing for yeah. him to take me to Barnes and Noble, which was mm-hmm. the closest bookstore to our house. And just kind of like look around, you know, get a yeah. bunch of books, put them on the table, get a coffee, like sift yeah. through them. Yeah. You know, that, that was like a very normal thing. I've like, I since have realized that for many people, that's not a normal experience. Uh, but for me growing yeah. up, that's, that's what I did. And he would always give me like Christmas gifts were always at least like half books, you know, it was always stuff to read. And so yeah. um, it was very much like part of the fabric of the house and, and it just felt, felt very normal. And it was all kinds of, I, I think probably earlier in my life, it was a lot of nonfiction, but then, um, you know, a lot of spy novels and a lot of fiction started to get read into. So were you into spy novels before you became a spy, before you, well, I don't know, do you consider yourself a spy? I don't know. Before you worked um, in that no, world? No, no. The, so the verbiage, the, the verbiage is important here, right? Spook? And it's, it's, all, it's always, uh, or, or 99% of the time screwed up. So the spy <laughs> is the foreigner who provides right. the secret, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. The, the, the American is the case officer. I was not a case officer. I was an analyst. Two Got different it. job descriptions. Um, but that's always they, that always gets yeah always gets screwed up. Uh, but I but I read I read a lot of spy stuff before I before I joined the CIA. Actually, when I was at the CIA, it was probably a period of my life where I was reading almost no spy novels at all. <laughs> um, is it because, because they were realistic or you just like, it was too close to home? Yeah, or? I think, I think, no, 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 it, it, not realistic enough. And you kind of, you get in there and then you realize, Hey, this isn't at all. Like any spy fiction, like doesn't, it's not even close to what it's actually like. And for whatever reason, at that point in my life, that kind of mattered to me. And so it made it harder to enjoy those books. Cause you get five pages in and then you'd say, well, that would never happen. You know, and and you kind of get wrapped around the axle about that, and so it kind of robs some of the enjoyment of that. But once since I've left, I I've been able to actually just enjoy the storytelling and the way that 
the genre can speak to human nature and be exciting yeah. at the same time and all that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I've gotten over that stupidity, but <laughs> I have some friends, close friends that we get together, watch movies a lot and they all work. Uh, well, not all, but a lot of them work in um, like what for the lack of just for the sake of conversation, we'll call it the tech world. Like one guy works yeah. in banking, but he designs software to track money laundering and okay. so like you'll watch a movie about a crime movie or something or or like a you know like a spy movie and like they're doing something on the computer and you know it's just like enhance enhance we got them you know and they're like yeah. it would never work like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so I, I find i don't know I, I find with that stuff like there there there's some spy fiction that you're just kind of like why didn't you guys just talk to somebody who was on the inside you know like you could have without changing anything in the plot, you could have made this feel more like you knew yeah. what you were talking about and they just started yeah. try. That's the kind of stuff that... Can you be more specific? Like, like like what something you're... I mean, don't like throw an author under the bus, but like the kind of thing that you that would that bug you or bugs you? I mean, is it like re- interpersonal relationship stuff? Like the kind of conversations people would have? Is it like gadgety stuff that you don't that doesn't actually happen, but like Ian Fleming put it in a book so you have to talk about it? The, the, gadget, the gadgety stuff, I don't really care. I don't care so much about because... I mean, I've been discovering this in my own writing. The, the tech angle to all of this is kind of hard to navigate because you want to focus the stories on the human relationships yeah. and you like to not deal with the tech. At least I, I don't want to deal with the tech at all. Yeah. But you kind of find that to make it realistic, you have to because everyone knows it's out there to some degree. Yeah. And yeah. so there's, there's a balance. I don't really fault people for like glossing over the, the tech angle to it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, some can do it more artfully than others, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah. some version of the enhance, enhance thing, like I can kind of get there. Cause I don't really want in a novel, the detailed, like here's the, yeah. you know, I, I found even as like a 15 year old reading Clancy books, yeah, you know, I, I was like, man, we've been going on about the way this nuclear bomb works for like six pages yeah. and you know, I, I'm ready to be done. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I, but to, I mean, to get to some, your question, like, I think an example without tossing someone under the bus. Or toss I someone under the I bus. Think, <laughs> I think there's some, I think there's some basic, I'll just, I'll speak in, in some generalities. I think there's some basic, well, I'll give you an example we talked about earlier. Referring to CIA officers as spies. Yeah. Like, that doesn't, you don't have to do that in yeah. a movie yeah. to to, it doesn't matter for the plot or the storytelling or whatever. Yeah. But it signals to people on the inside that like you didn't actually do any thinking about this yeah. from the very similitude standpoint. And it's just sort of immediately a turnoff, you yeah. know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, That's fair. I don't know. I mean, or, or just, you know, one thing that I tried to do in the book, at least a little bit was to hint at the fact that there's actually a massive bureaucracy behind this whole thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. with like rules and procedures and all that kind of stuff. Movies that don't do that or books that don't do that, even a little bit, you're kind of like, yeah. well, this, I don't know. This at least just, nod to it. At least nod to it yeah. like once or yeah. twice that there's yeah. some big machine. I know I know we can't always go back into the machine and no one wants to see. I, I wrote a scene for my current book where the, the person's doing an expense report, you know, and I thought it was funny. But then my wife was like, you can't put this in a book, you know, like, yeah. like this yeah. isn't like, no one wants to read this. It's not she's actually good. funny. Yeah. She's, she's yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not funny to other people. Yeah. Um, but I think some nod to that is like helpful to, you know, situate someone in the middle of a system and make it feel a little bit more realistic. 
That's have it. you read McCarran's uh, Slow House books, The Slow Horses? So okay, so like you're like the fifth person. I figured in all of these covers who's brought them up, and I haven't, and I okay. feel terrible about it. And they I, just and remind I me of like it's all about bureaucracy, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's got an Apple Plus series now, right? Yeah, you should check it out. Actually, okay. I'd be curious to know I, what I you think. Should check it out. Um, I need to read those because uh, literally everyone has recommended recommended them. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's the concept basically like like a place they take people who screw up or are burned yeah. out or whatever. And, yeah. yeah. So, okay. you know, like one character, he's like the main guy. Um, he's in training. He's doing a training op, I guess. And he really blows it. And they kind of like send him off. But there's like a reason they send him off. Like, I don't want to... I can't say too much about that. He His is more complicated. Then you got one person who like blows a drop or something and like okay. you know there's yeah. like their specific missions they have each of them kind of has their own specific reason i think one okay. one of them is like there's a substance abuse problem but they can't like kick them completely out so they send them to this other place but then they get they, things happen and they end up having to solve something like okay yeah and it's like there were their mi5 so it's all it's not like international well, it's like it's in london internal to britain yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they're okay. cool it's just like the whole thing is basically about how they're being hampered by them, their own issues, but also by the bureaucracy. Okay, it's kind of like yeah, I would, I would, I would enjoy that. I yeah. would enjoy that. Now, I, I don't know. Maybe it, still, maybe it still plays with plays with little fast and loose with the facts, but well, I'm sure, I'm sure it does. But you know, the the best stuff in the genre can like lay some amount of groundwork for the very similitude and get you to yeah. get you to think that the author knows enough about what they're because you haven't you haven't called BS. And it's also not a training manual, you know, it's yeah. some, it's some yeah. balance between, between those two things. So when you're writing, like right now you're working on a new novel when you were writing Damascus yeah. station, where are you, are you having to like, you're like taking your John Le Carré books and you're like putting them in the other room or do you want to be immersed in like the world of espionage fiction? Like you don't mind reading Ian Fleming while you're working on something or you, is it like, I'm just going to read Westerns and romances now. <laughs> No, I definitely, I definitely read it while I'm writing. For okay. sure, I think it. Uh, I kind of see it um, as nourishment in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. I read a lot of other things uh, outside the genre too, but I feel like I've always got to be studying what others are doing and and learning from it. You know, I mean, yeah. even even some you know stuff in the genre that I again without like naming names might not really like. Sometimes if it sells a lot of copies, or I'll read it just to kind of see, like, okay, well, how does this person? How do they move plot forward? How do they deal with, yeah, you know, the tech stuff? Like, there's all kinds of, yeah. How do you uh, write an action scene? How do you write an action? Like, there's all kinds of things that I'm always trying to learn, and so I feel like I've always got three or four books open on my nightstand. You know, probably two of which are usually close to the genre, and then there's usually something that's like way out there that yeah. that is unrelated. Are you trying to keep up with like? what's coming out or are you like you reading Tinker Taylor soldier spy again? Well, I'm back in my, so I'm reading right now on my nightstand. I've got look Hooray's Russia house open. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, which I had read when I was probably, I don't know, a junior in high school or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been back to it since. So it's, it feels like it's new. Um, yeah. So I've got look Hooray's, Russia House. I've got um, 
an arc I'm reading of a new Don Bentley book, uh, who he writes with like under the, the Clancy genre, but then he's got his own stuff. So it's like a very kind of pure action thing. And then I've got hmm. Anthony Doors, All the Light We Cannot See, which oh, yeah. I haven't read. And I'm probably the only human on the planet who hasn't read it. Uh, but I've got that open right now, too. <laughs> yeah. So um, do you, you were, you mentioned Russia House. Do you view, like, where do you view like Lecare in the like canon of, you know, espionage fiction? He's kind of the godfather for a lot of people. Um, right. And I mean, if you don't love his work, you know, we oh, can discuss why. Is that, so for yeah. you, so like, he's the one who you look to as your guy, like guiding light, like the reason you want you do this or. No, 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 not, not that. I mean, so I, have you seen um, Tim Shipman's, are you on the spyberry spy, like Facebook group or whatever? There's a, there's a. I'm not, but I know about this. <laughs> okay. Have I guess I've seen this list. I don't know. Tim Shipman did. He did, he did a list of like, I, I, I'm going to, make up the number, but it's not going to be far off. It was like the top like 170 spy novelists. <laughs> okay. 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 In, in order, but not just the name, like paragraphs written about each. Oh, wow. Okay. And an explanation of why they fell in that part of the list. Okay. And shout out to him, man. It's, That's It's phenomenal. I mean, it's crazy. Like the guy put tons of time into it and he's read everything. And he has, he put Le Carre as number one. Um, which I don't think is a controversial opinion. And it's probably one that I would second or at least not openly disagree with. But I mean, the sheer the volume about- books that he wrote makes it hard to argue. Like so many of them are, are pretty good, pretty good. And then several of them are like classics. Right, right. And, and he, you know, I, I guess I kind of see Le Carre as somebody who was a phenomenal novelist who happened to write about spies mm. and a wonderful prose, like an incredible prose stylist, an incredible constructor of character and setting, you know, his spy craft as he, I think admitted on many occasions was kind of like, he didn't really care if he got it right, you know, yeah. and he didn't even really try in some books. Yeah. Um, but he dealt so well with the complexities of the of, of the business. And he understood, I think, before a lot of us, before anyone did, that you could write it in the... The genre was really a wide open space to deal with basically all of the human experience. Mm. And, mm. and that's why I love his, his stuff. Um, you know, you can kind of knock on him because I don't think he... I think he's got some good action stuff, but like, it's definitely not where he gravitated. Yeah. yeah. Um, you could argue that a lot of his female characters were pretty wooden, although some were not. Yeah. But man, the guy, I mean, it was just, he, I mean, for, you know, I, I think he, he really defined the genre and, and it's really hard to find someone who could deal with the, with the complexities of the human experience in espionage better than look around. Mm. And he had, a, he, he had his own like, cynicism about his experiences and that that kind of like help that add a level a level of you know just complicated complicated i don't know just a complicated level i guess is what i'm saying to them yeah no well and this is my i think this is sometimes my knock on him is like his books feel very rainy to me both in in the british (laughs) sensibility and then also in like i do think I, i i don't know what he did when he was 
in the in the SIS, right? Really, yeah. I, I think he was in West Germany for a while, maybe, or in Switzerland. Yeah. And he right. must have had a series of very like grim experiences in some way. I think that that seemed to have shaped him. And I know, like, um, have you ever read A Perfect Spy? Okay, so yeah. that book is essentially an autobiography <laughs> of his yeah. life, yeah. Um, and is is wonderful. But it, it it paints a picture, I think, of someone who kind of, I mean, at the end of the day, didn't really. I think he was, yes, yeah, I mean, to use your word again, like he was quite cynical about the business in a lot of respects. And I think I don't necessarily share that view and think he, for whatever his experiences are or were, um, I think the business is maybe a little bit, there's definitely shades of gray in it, right? But I think there is, you know, there are good guys and bad guys sometimes. And he kind of didn't, I'm not sure he would have gone quite there, you know, Um his books rarely had a protag- clear kind of protagonist antagonist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you perspective to them? Do you think the best spy novels though have to have have to kind of dwell in that gray area? Because if it just kind of hangs out in the romance of the job too much, yeah, does yeah, it no. get to is that a little bit much? Like, does it does that lose some of the the drama that's kind of inherently there? No, yeah, that's 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 right. I mean, look, I think it's. I think the best stuff has interesting characters who want different things. Hmm. And, and through that, through that, it deals with or deals in a lot of that grayness. Yeah. But for me personally, I think the best stuff also is able to, to balance that moral ambiguity with some amount of moral clarity too. Hmm. I, I, that's, that's, a, and that's, that's a personal opinion, right? But, for me, there's, there's a real fine balancing act there. And if there's stuff that's too, I'm banging me over the head with the moral clarity between one set of actors and another, you know, I can appreciate it for moving plot forward. I can appreciate it for action. I can appreciate it for whatever, but it's not going to feel as realistic to me as something that's in the muck, but also, able to clarify at least a bit yeah that some people are are you know that there are good guys doing bad things and bad guys doing good things yeah. but that yeah. there's some amount of you know labeling that happens that's when just you, me when you're working in when you were working on damascus station and now you're at this new the second book are you are you conscious of like trying to maintain that sense of moral clarity despite the muck or is that something that's like maybe you're it, you just kind of Think about it later. I'm more hopeful that it's going to emerge from the characters, okay. to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. I, uh, I've experienced it a little bit on the, on the book that I'm working on now where I kind of tried to bend a certain character a little bit too much one direction mm. to make her a little bit too much of like a, hey, she's a good guy, right? And we can label her a good guy. And it kind of became clear to me as I was writing her scenes, that, like, it's not that cut and dry with her you know i mean like throughout the book she's doing some good things and some other bad things and it's kind of it's kind of like you know a a little bit mucked up i mean yeah i think everyone could make their own decision or or will you know at some point make their own decision about her but i i realized at some point that i kind of had to as weird as it sounds like let her speak for herself Mm -hmm. and i I don't really know where she lands yet and and I, i i have a view but 
I think I think readers might be mixed on whether she's you know is she good or is she bad. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I've kind of, I mean, I've kind of let that rest. It's like a little bit weird to let it rest, but yeah, I I, I found that pushing it one direction or the other didn't feel right. Yeah. I mean, I guess once the book's out there, it becomes, every reader has their experience. It kind of becomes yeah. the reader's book. and Yeah, exactly. And I think that you kind of have to realize as a writer that the readers are going to come to it with just wildly different, you know, perspectives on, yeah. on how it, you know, what's, what's good, what's not, what characters are interesting or not, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. It just, it, it's, it's very subjective. It's amazing. It strikes me that like, uh, espionage fiction is going to have kind of uh, like maybe a more complicated relationship with readers, some readers too, because like who's against cowboys, right? Like a Western's kind of like, I mean, maybe, you, you know, like, yeah. like, but, but some people are just, they have very strong feelings about how, how, whether, whether the, the, the business, as you put it is a good thing in the first place, or you know, there's a lot of like the last 20 years have obviously been complicated. Right. There's a lot of books, the nonfiction books, you know, about, yes torture and all, like there's just so many perspectives on the work that happens within the world of espionage and so people have complicated feelings about yeah it. no that's that's right and i think my sense would be that most people picking up my book if they even glance the bio right if they're not willing to listen to a story from a former because they just hate the agency so much or feel like it's a you know it's a force for ill in the world they're probably not the readers of this book, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're probably also not reading Charles Cummings or something. Well, well, right. It was, well, and maybe they would be because he, he's not like, they wouldn't look at the Oh, yeah, I see. I see. Yeah. But, you know, like, they just dislike you because you work there. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and I've, I've certainly gotten like a little bit of that, of, you know, okay, this is, you know, raw, raw, see high book from a guy who, who used to work there. Yeah. David um, Petraeus on the, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But, you know, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, you know, I have a I have a view on the institution and how it works and what it means yeah. and, and what it's yeah. like to work there. And I don't know. I think that's, yeah, it's a, it's a valid perspective. So. so, okay. As someone who worked there, as someone who does love these novels and has read them yeah. since you were a kid, has your perspective on what you want out of a spy novel changed besides just you want that little bit of verisimilitude? Um, or you could just answer the question, what are you looking for in a spy novel now that you're out so to speak <laughs> now that i'm out yeah i mean i, I think it's you, you want a little bit of that verisimilitude but i i will say like i don't care if you get everything right and i don't i i think that sometimes it can distract like a, there's a lot of formers who write books uh or have manuscripts that aren't that good because they're mm-hmm. overly wedded to how things actually work and that sometimes isn't super interesting so i think I honestly, I don't know. It's a, it's a simplistic answer, but it's true. I mean, when I pick up a spine novel and, and tear into it, I'm really looking for character at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for an interesting character, you know, that I feel some connection to, even if it's not that I like, like them, but I'm interested in them. I want to be interested in what's going on. And I want to um, care about what happens to them in some way, shape or form. You know, I want to see what's going to happen next. Like for me, yeah. that's the, that's the number one uh, thing. So, you know, the most recent book that I'm got in the nightstand, you know, uh, Russia House, uh, the Barley Blair character, who's this sort of, you know, dissolute Brit who's running a publishing house. Like, he's just a really interesting character. And yeah. I sort of, you know, I, I don't necessarily like 
respect the guy, but I'm interested in what's going on yeah. in his life and what he cares about. And I, I want to see what happens, you know, and, yeah. and that's kind of, I think when I come to a book, that's the number one, that's the number one thing more, more than, more than plot or anything. It's just, is there a character here that I can get engaged in? Do you have uh, anybody or any uh, books that you, that you think are like kind of underrated in the, in the espionage fiction world? Oh, underrated. Like who, who should we be reading and talking about more? So I don't know if it's underrated, but I do think, uh, cause he only wrote three books and he recently passed, uh, Jason Matthews, you know, oh, uh, yeah. Red Sparrow. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, those books are just electric. Mm. And I was about halfway through Damascus station when I read Red Sparrow for the first time because a friend. You just threw your menus. You just threw your computer. You're like, no. Well, no, I, I mean, I read it and, and I remember having the feeling of like, this is exactly what I, I, I want to be doing uh, yeah, this yeah. kind of book. Like this yeah. is what I, you know, sometimes yeah. you read books. Like when I read Le Carre, I think like I could never do this. You know, the way he, the way <laughs> yeah. he, like it, it's, yeah. it's actually like a very daunting experience to read him. Cause you're like, I can't write like this. Yeah. And then sometimes you read other stuff and you're like, well, I could do better than this. And when <laughs> I read Matthews, my reaction was like, that's exactly what I want to be doing. Yeah. was like yeah. what this guy's doing. Yeah. Um, that's my aspiration right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I want to be, I want to be this guy. This is, this is the spot in the genre that I want to occupy. Like this is my sensibility right here. Yeah. And it, and I just, I just loved his stuff. And he, he unfortunately um, passed this year. Mm. Um, so there won't be any more books, but I just, I, I loved his stuff and, and think that he really brought a very, he, he did this wonderful blend of like, it's dramatic and it's, and, and extreme in some cases, but then there's also this grounding of verisimilitude and the authenticity yeah. he brings from the agency career that I just, I really loved. So I feel like as someone who owns a bookstore, there's tons of spy fiction coming out. Yeah. Like every freaking Tuesday, there's also some new book of nonfiction about the spy world. And I'm curious to know if there's any books out there that you think uh, really capture and explore in an accurate and adequate way what happens in that world, that business, as you put it earlier. Yeah, I know yeah. That if you, there's lots of books out there that are like CIA takedowns or you, right, you know, right. secret service takedowns or whatever. And then there's some that are like, people were on the inside, this is what we experienced. But like, what do you think is like the most accurate, you know, in, in terms of, helping people understand like i love spy fiction yeah i've read a lot of nonfiction about it i want to know more about what really happens what do i read well i'll give you i'll give you one that i just read that i thought was fantastic and it's from the british standpoint but it's it's wonderful um ben mcintyre's the traitor and the spy mm. uh which is about the handling and the development the handling and then ultimately the defection of oleg gordievsky who was a kgb colonel uh, in the in the seventies and eighties, so that's that's legit. That book's that legit. Is, I've heard good things. It is extremely legit. Like <laughs> he he had access to. He's not clear in the he's not clear in the acknowledgments, but it, it seems pretty obvious that he had access to most of the Brits and to Gordievsky himself mm. in in actually writing the thing. Mm. Um, that book is like. I mean, obviously, it's old. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. But but it is a very it's it's electric. And then it's but it's also just very much like here's how here's how a, here's how an intelligence yeah. agency would spot, assess, develop, recruit and run. 
an asset, um, mm. which which is kind of the nuts and bolts of the business. I, I, I couldn't yeah. recommend that one highly enough. Do you read uh, his second one? Is that Operation Mincemeat? Well, I guess I shouldn't say second. He had an, another one come out more recently, and it's about... I think it's from the perspective of a Russian, a female Russian spy. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. I'll put it in the show notes for people. Okay, ben McIntyre wrote it as yeah. well. No, I, I honestly... Um, I'm, I'm writing an exfiltration sequence in my current book, and I've hmm. heard from two or three formers that the exfiltration of Gordievsky is like a pretty good template Hmm. At least in open source. Yeah, for, that's, that's actually for how there. a spy agency, how you actually get someone out of a hard target country, um, yeah, yeah. which is how I got turned on to it. And then my, my wife, who you know is is a pretty avid reader, but like by no means a huge consumer of spy stuff, yeah. uh, read it in like two days. So hmm. it's just it's all right. I'm it. moving up my list. Yeah, move it move it up the list. It's it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, so that's one. That's another. You know, I, I've found this is sort of a side note that doesn't directly answer your question, frustratingly. But um, I, there's all conversations. Lot, conversation there, is <laughs> there's all, yeah, exactly. Conversation is a series of people not answering each other's questions. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> there's there's a lot of there, there's a lot of like memoir type stuff from senior agency guys that like deals with a lot of intelligence policy issues but doesn't actually give you a perspective on what it's like <laughs> what it's actually like to be in the business yeah. you know what i mean yeah so so that stuff is like it's it's interesting if you're thinking about the cia as like a foreign policy covert yeah. action like what you know sort of yeah you know it's not trade craft <laughs> right right I, I, one that i would recommend um is a, a mem is a memoir and it's sort of part it's got part of the policy stuff but then it's also got like real chapters from his experience in like training and running assets um douglas london came out with a book recently called the recruiter okay. uh which cool. i think does a wonderful job of painting a picture of what it was like to grow up in the cia and mm. um what it was like to be in the cia sort of transition from you know, it really transitioned to running the, the war on terror and being kind of the point mm. of spear in that. So he, I, mm. I would recommend that book as well. I think it, it's written from the perspective of a, gosh, I mean, I'm going to screw it up, but I mean, you know, almost 30 year history inside the CIA that he had. So that's Douglas London's The Recruiter. The Recruiter. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's wait, cool. when you're not reading spy stuff, what do you, what do you read? Like, what are some of your other favorite novels? Ooh, let's see. So, or like, what do you kind of inspires you? Like, you, I, you know, I recently just got me Stephen Pressfield's Gates of Fire, which is a historical novel about um, the Battle of Thermopylae. Which, yeah, man, I mean, that book is so damn good. It is. <laughs> You're the second I, person this week. It's only Wednesday to tell me that. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. So that that book is like that was the kind of book where I like my wife would be like, are you going to come to bed? I'm like, no, I'm going to stay up and read this book. And I, there were, there were points in that book. I'm not ashamed to say where I almost cried. Mm. Um, it was so, so beautiful. So that'd be one that I would say is just kind of like out totally outside the genre that I, yeah. I, just, I really love. I'm about halfway through Anthony doors. Uh, yeah. All the light we cannot see it. Yeah. I, I'm really enjoying it. Like his voice is is wonderful. I, yeah, I, I really love it. 
another one I've been reading. Oh, um, one I read recently that also was wildly wonderful and unexpected was The Mongolian Conspiracy by Raphael Bernal. Have you read this? I have not. Okay, so it's a it's a um, Mexico City like noir written, I think, in '69, maybe. Well, it sounds like it's up my alley, so I'm definitely going to read this. And it is phenomenal. <laughs> it is it is incredible. Okay. Um, the Mongolian conspiracy. You should you should read it. It's it's not that long. It's just it's very it's extremely vulgar uh, because the translation there's a. I, I was reading some commentary on this and I guess there's a Spanish word which I, I won't pronounce well as like pinche, which I guess is like essentially translated as the word fucking, but is also used by like, it's almost like parents would, it's not as vulgar in a Mexican context, right? Like, it, it, uh, okay. but it's, it's translated that like, that, that's the most accurate translation. And he says it all the time in the book. Um, but he's this very sort of crass, vulgar, like former hitman who's brought into this web of conspiracy and lies. And he's very like human at the same time. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a wonderful story. I would highly recommend it. Okay. Awesome. Okay. I got two questions left for you. Yeah. People who are listening to this probably don't know that we've been having like internet problems here. So I, we gotta, I gotta let him get out of here Bring them into that before it happens again. Yeah. I think we should, I need I just need to kind of unpack some, some, uh, interview trauma that I'm having right now. Um, do you, what you have little kids. We were talking about yeah. this before we started recording. Uh, do you, what do you like to read with your kids? Like, do you, are you guys big readers together? Yeah, we are. Um, I'm trying to get them away from, so they could gravitate toward books that are like, those like eyewitness or discovery books that are like, Hey, there's like a whole page with just a bunch of facts about animals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, give me a book with the story yeah. is my new thing at night. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we're reading Frog and Toad right yeah, now yeah, nice. with my seven-year-old. Perfect. He's learning how to read. Perfect. So we're we're into that, which is wonderful. Yep. Um, we're reading a lot of a lot of Dr. Seuss. Cool. Um, we are reading. Uh, my four-year-old wants us to read Stella Luna about the fruit bat on repeat <laughs> yeah. over and over and over again, as they do. Uh, those have been the rotations recently. I feel like I. I feel like they get stuck in a rut in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Like the kids will bring the same books back and, yeah. you know, over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and a lot, a lot of curious George. These aren't, these aren't original, original answers on the kids, but it's kind of like, those are, I mean, those are like the, the mainstays right now. The thing about, okay. One thing I learned about owning a, this, this bookstore is that what people want is the classics for the kids and the kids want the class. Like they just go back to it right. it's over and over and over again. Right. It's like, it's cool. That's right. All right. Before I let you go, I like to ask this very annoying question that just drives people crazy um, about sort of like a Mount Rushmore of books. And usually I ask kind of a desert island, like what are oh, you gosh. taking with you? Okay. Okay. But in this case, I want to kind of ask you, what's your like four pack, your Mount Rushmore of what you think are like the essential spy novels. It could be like what you think people should read to get a sense of the genre or it could just be like, these okay. are the four that I want to read. You decide how you want to answer that. Or you could be like, you want to make sure that, that you get, you cover the, the, cl- the classic authors. How I mean, you, you get free reign on this, but four spy novels, four, four okay. spy novels uh, that, that you think are like everybody should read for whatever reason. Okay. That is so hard. Okay. Um, Damascus station. Yeah. 
Exactly. And the next three books that I write. <laughs> Done. All right. We'll see you later. Uh, let's see. Le Carre is the spy that came in from the cold. Okay. Yep. Love that one. Charles McCary, Tears of Autumn. Oh, These are, so far, I'm right here with you. Like I'm feeling good right now. Yeah. Um, that's the Kennedy one, right? Just making sure. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, Jason Matthews, Red Sparrow. Okay. This is a tough one. Um, are you a Fleming guy? Like, do you like those books? I don't. So, I I honestly need to reread a few of them. Like, I haven't read all of them. Mm-hmm. And I dabbled when I yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> um, and I dabbled when I was in high school. Yeah. But I'm not. I I, I should go back and and read them again because yeah. I think they're pretty hit or miss. Like some of them are really fun, but yeah. Um, I might have to revise this later, but I'm gonna go with um Ignatius and Agents of Innocence. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, what's his first, uh, David Ignatius? David Ignatius. Yeah. And, and that book, I think it came out in 87 or 80, like late eighties, um, is probably the closest thing you'll find to like actual any division. It, it basically what happened was there were a bunch of case officers or a few case officers who were involved in, uh, running this asset who was in the PLO and, Ignatius basically got the story and turned it into a novel. And I haven't read this one. I gotta. It's it's a good novel and it's completely, you know, it's very accurate. And that's called Agents of Innocence. Agents of Innocence. Okay. Okay. So currently, as of this time, when I asked you this without any preparation, you would say Le Carre's Spy Who Came In from the Cold, Charles McCary's Tears of Autumn, Jason Matthews' Red Sparrow, and David Ignatius' Agents of Innocence. Yeah. Although, can I? So, let me change the Le Carre book actually for a second. Okay. And I'm gonna. So, the spy that came in from the cold is one like is probably his like bedrock. Yeah. The one I would change it to is actually Little Drummer Girl, which is probably my favorite novel, and I think for me, it is probably his best representation of what like the complexities of actually running an agent and 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 recruiting them. So let me let me change it to that. Okay. But, that there's a little great one on. Well, on, I think a lot of people will have read Spy Who Came In From the Cold. So I throw yeah. a little drummer girl. Did you see the 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 uh, FX series that they did on, on Little Drummer Girl? Yeah, it was it was cute, right? And um Alexander Skarsgård maybe. Yeah, yeah. Florence Pugh is like made her a star. Yeah, it, I, I thought it was wonderful. Um the night manager was also really good. I enjoyed the, that. Too. The Hugh Laurie one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Doctor House. Um, we should do a whole uh, separate episode sometime and talk spy TV shows and spy movies and get your feedback yeah, on that. Would, so, man, I would enjoy that. I mean, this is I love talking about this stuff. All right, well, thank you. Okay, man, talk soon. That was David McCloskey. Uh, Damascus Station is available wherever books are sold right now. Please do order from your local bookshop. But if you'd like to order from ours, you can head to bookshop.org/shop slash goldberry books this has been bibliography i'm david kern thanks for listening hope you found a book or two to add to your to be read list until next time happy reading